What is light? Something that we turn off before we go to bed? Something that illuminates the sky and clears the clouds? Or is it something much more? What if light is conscious? And furthermore, what if the light that we naturally produce has the ability to transmit messages out into infinity? As scientists still struggle to understand the scope of potential that lives within the spectrum of visible light, let alone the invisible, Billy Carson of Forbidden Knowledge has once again distilled the magic of light and how we can use it to enhance our own lives. Tap into the wellspring of information that lives within what's called the field and how we, by default, communicate using naturally produced light waves. This is a fun and, as always, fascinating discussion. Billy really breaks it down for us as he sheds light on an otherwise complex subject matter. Take a listen. Billy, I'm going to start this conversation off with reading a quote that I read to you the last time we got together. And it's by the famous poet William Blake and his poem, Auguries of Innocence, where it says, We are led to believe a lie when we see not through the eye, which was born in a night to perish in a night when the soul slept in beams of light. God appears and God is light. Do you remember when I read that to you the last time we spoke about fractals? (laughs) I love that. Very profound statement in that poem. It certainly is. And I think I thought it would be apropos to start our conversation off today. Uh, Let's let's talk about conscious light waves first of all before we i just listen guys i billy and i have been talking so much in the last couple of days i just feel like we're just (laughs) continuing the conversation but we're on the air now so let me first formally welcome you back for the third or fourth time to higher journeys thank you for joining us no problem definitely (laughs) glad to be here Uh, Well, listen, as as uh, I said, we're going to be talking about conscious light waves. And, you know, as with everything you do, Billy, I know you're going to go deep on this one. So let's pick up our conversation here, keeping that Blake quote in mind. But before we get into bringing that all together, quite simply, what are conscious light waves? Well, you have to understand that everything in the third dimension is nothing but an electromagnetic wave. And all electromagnetic waves are waves of light, even if you can't see them, because human beings can only see 1% of the light spectrum. Uh, if we can really see everything that was going on, we'd probably freak out. Uh, you know, you, you've got uh, X-rays, gamma rays, infrared, multispectrum, ultraviolet. There's so many different light wave frequencies that exist. Electromagnetic waves exist and are passing all around us and through us at all times of day. And you don't even know that they're there. But... Another thing that's amazing is all particles in the third dimension also exist as waves, waves of light. And they only collapse into what we think is solid matter when conscious intervention collapses those light waves into something that we think is solid. That's really an illusion. So all that really exists out here are electromagnetic waves. And the reason why they're intelligent is because they have the capability of making a decision. Do I maintain myself as a wave? Or do I collapse myself into this intricate object, this illusion of an intricate object, this halluc- this hallucinatory or holographic object? And so that takes consciousness. And so the particles that create up uh, this third dimension, and if you have look at um, uh, light wave duality, you're talking about conscious light. And that's what's really amazing about this. Mm-hmm. 
Well, the words uh, wave-particle duality come to mind. We talked about that uh, a couple of days ago, but also the double slit experiment, which you brought my attention back to as I was mm -hmm. looking up conscious light waves. I didn't see it uh, put quite that way, but remember, and I'm going to show the audience maybe now, an image, a, a big synchronicity that happened with us when I was like, Billy, I can't find anything on conscious light waves. I mean, I had an idea right. what you were talking about, but I wasn't sure. And then you put, uh, you we were texting back and forth, and you put uh, wave particle duality. And as you were doing mm -hmm. that, I was reading this. And I'm going to show the audience right here a picture of a book I was reading by Amit Goswami, which is a well-known book, The Self-Aware Universe. So we were on the same, mm -hmm. literally on the same page, really something. Yeah. Well, you know, here, here's a question I have for you in terms of uh, the the individuated consciousness, let's just say, I've been talking about panpsychism a lot lately, which is a very interesting phenomenon that's being studied by more uh, material scientists that are starting to relent to the idea that there may be even just a little bit of individual or individuated consciousness and in even inanimate objects. So yeah. in talking about light as being conscious, you mentioned, you know, it is in particularly in the double slit experiment, it's famously known that it is the individual in the observa act of observation that's collapsing it into a particle. So absent the individual, is the light still conscious? Absent the individual, I believe that the light is conscious. Light, these electromagnetic waves of light, they move and flow throughout the entire universe, and they're probably even multidimensional as well. Uh, and they move and flow, and the purpose behind it is still obviously cloudy or partly unknown. But if you look at as above, so below, and so on the larger scale of the universe, it's conscious. The entire universe is conscious. There's enough connecting energies to make a conscious universe. And so if you take it down to the below, that would be us. If we are basically a mirror of the universe, which I truly do believe, look at us with our consciousness, look at us with our capability of, uh, of thinking, and how each one of those thoughts that we create in our mind, even the people watching this video right now, every thought that they're thinking while they're watching this video is creating a wave of light that leaves their brain, that leaves their skull and goes out into space time permanently. Uh, so just like, you know, back in the 1930s and 40s, I Love Lucy, uh, radio frequency and TV frequencies are still going out throughout space and traveling throughout the galaxy. And someday somebody may decode them in some other faraway planet and watch I Love Lucy, the same way when a human being has a thought pattern in their mind, and how do we know this is true? Because you can go to any laboratory in neuroscience and put on one of these caps that have electrodes that read the light waves coming out of your brain and sends those light waves to a computer. They don't have to inject you, they don't have to open your skull. The light waves penetrate your skull and leave out of your head and enter space time. So every thought that you've ever uh, thought has gone out into space-time permanently. Every idea, every intention is gone out into space-time. So this idea that the ancients had of this Akashic record that stores all the information of everything you've ever done, yeah, I think it's true, as well as the Book of Life. Thoth talks about it in the Animal Tablets. It also made its way more into the modern-day Bible. I think that the Book of Life is absolutely 100% accurate and true, that there is this storage capacity within this universe that stores all of the light wave information that's ever existed, including all of yours since you were conceived. This is interesting. So I think what you're saying, Billy, is that we are not independent of the light or it of us. It's really us that is uh, producing 
the light. And mm-hmm. well, of course, we're electrical beings. We know that. So I'm I'm, I'm trying to get a visual here. Could yeah. there be light that is independent of us? Well, I guess the question is: Is anything independent of us? But but what well, you're talking about is light being um, just the thought, our own thought process and feelings and emotions, etc., go into a light wave and are transmitted mm-hmm. into infinity, essentially. Exactly. And because we're conscious, then those light waves are also conscious. Absolutely. So we're setting up conscious energy into the universe on a consistent basis. And that conscious energy has a direct effect on the ether of space-time itself. All human beings exist both as solid matter and also as a wave of light. We're both. We're solid and we're light waves. So all human beings are light beings. We're all made of light. Mm. If you take and analyze you know, the atoms inside of a human body that make up a human body and the human avatar, and you take them and put them in a particle smasher, you're going to find out that every particle inside a human body is nothing but of light. Right. Light that's been collapsed into digital matter that we, you know, that we can use to utilize to maneuver through this third dimension, through this hologram. But, um, but all the light that makes up the atoms in our body is also conscious, which means that rocks are conscious, blades of grass are conscious, the planet is conscious, everything is conscious. Mm-hmm. Even the plastic mouse that I'm looking at, right? Because it was made by first by natural elements. Well, this is the idea where pan, where the pan psychism idea. Something about that is really intriguing to me. I talked about that with a few people. Nassim Haramin, uh, uh, we talked about it. Actually, it was he that introduced the idea to me. Uh, But I think it's very, uh, it's very encouraging that some of the more classical physicists are starting to relent a little bit to that idea. That's great. Let's talk about let's talk about orbs. Because when I think of light, and I'm I'm, when I'm saying orbs, I'm not talking about dust particles, I'm talking about the true orb, like energy beings or entities that people often report Mm -hmm. seeing, and in some cases interacting with. Now, we have Mm -hmm. to assume that at some level, these orbs seen almost always as light are intelligent and are conscious. Let's dig into Mm -hmm. that a bit. What are we what are we seeing there now? You know, are they being emanated from us? Are they coming from elsewhere? What's happening Mm -hmm. with orbs as you understand them? If you're enjoying this episode and want to get more conversations about all things intriguing, inspiring and unusual, be sure to subscribe to Higher Journeys on YouTube. And once you do, don't forget to hit that notification bell to receive an announcement as soon as a new episode is posted. And now, back to our show. Orbs are really, really interesting. You know, um, we can't specifically say exactly what an orb is because obviously we, we aren't orbs, but we can hypothesize on what they might be. And because the universe has so many dimensions, uh, and according to even the most famous theoretical physicist, uh, at least 11 dimensions would make up the third, make up this universe. Otherwise, the dimensions would collapse. The universe would collapse in and on itself. So we have at least 11 dimensions. But I think that these orbs could be multidimensional beings, uh, even though we ourselves are also multidimensional consciously. I believe that these orbs may have the capability of transmitting or transferring themselves down dimensions, down densities. And so, how would that work? It just based off, it's just based off your ability to phase shift your subatomic frequency. So every dimension vibrates at a specific frequency, and it's all about frequencies and sound. Uh, so if you knew the frequency of a higher dimension, and you can match that higher dimension, or if you knew the frequency of a parallel universe, and you can match the frequency of that parallel universe, it's possible that you can literally walk right into another universe, mm. walk into a higher dimension or a lower dimension, 
based off of frequency wave technology, if you have the capability. Uh, sometimes people say they see these things appear and then they seem to just vanish. They could have phase shifted into our reality for a very small period of time and then went back to whatever dimension or realm that they originated from based off of frequency technology. And I think that once we develop frequency technology, if they're not already doing it, we would definitely be able to do the same thing. I saw an article recently that stated something roughly about um, scientists now being able to uh, tap into uh, parallel universes. Mm -hmm. Uh, so if that's the case, and I haven't had a chance to read that article yet, then it's got to have it's going to have to do with frequency. Period. There's no other way to get around it. Frequency will allow you to uh, to do that, and, and frequency means you're altering the atomic structure, the frequency, because every atom vibrates at a specific frequency. Right. And if you can match it, then you can enter it. Just like the the t the mouse that you have over there, that mouse will stop your hand from going through it because the electrons orbiting the atoms in, in the mouse repel the atoms, the electrons orbiting the atoms in your hand. But if you were to phase shift the atomic frequency of your hand to the same frequency of the mouse, your hand would pass right through the mouse. Uh, you know, so it's all about understanding and understanding frequencies and how to um, get the right oscillations. We know that there are individuals who have been known to do that. I'm thinking of Satya Sai Baba right off the bat, who, mm -hmm. who yeah. uh, was said to do things that seemed uh, absolutely uh, impossible, but I think there's enough science to show, and you're describing it as always so articulate, uh, that it is possible. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I have a couple absolutely. of questions. Go going back to this this whole spectrum of light, I find fascinating. And the fact that us as very, at least in, in this realm, dense human beings, why do we occupy such a minute or are able to only able to take in such a minute part of that spectrum of light? Why mm -hmm. is that, you think? Well, I think there's so much activity happening around us and the way that our consciousness and our brains are set up, it would be overload. I think it would be an overload on our senses. It's just so much going on. I mean, if you can see in all the different light spectrums, you'd see things happening everywhere you look. There'd be something going on. I mean, it could even be entities operating and living right around us and we probably can't even see them. Uh, so we've been given this reduced capability and I think this is why, you know, Nikola Tesla made the famous quote, the day science begins to study non-physical phenomena, it will make more progress in one decade than in all the previous centuries in his, since its existence. So he knew, you know, that there's this unseen world that's out there that exists right around us, and we're not tapping into it, we're not researching it, we're not looking into it. We're only following these two eyes, which are, um, they have a veil over them, these two eyes. The third eye is the real eye. The third eye should be called the first eye because mm -hmm. the and these two should be called, you know, the the the, the one and the, the two second and third eye because the third eye should be the first eye. That's the your spiritual antenna. Uh, but Nikola Tesla knew that there's something beyond the veil of these two eyes that we're missing out on, and it's all around us. And I do think that um, there's a lot to be experimented with. It. I think there are a lot of experiments already going on. Uh, a friend of mine bought a multi-spectrum camera from Amazon called a Ghost Finder. And when he goes and walks his dog in the morning, he literally just holds the camcorder up at the sky, walks his dog. He comes home. Later on, he downloads the video and he analyzes it. And you can see all kind of weird stuff going on in the video. That's why it's called a ghost finder. You can buy them right on Amazon. Really? And uh, Yeah. <laughs> There's and he... a lot going on in the sky nonstop. Oh, I'm we sure. We just can't see. Yeah. Well, we've got know? the night vision goggles, which I've yet to use. Every time I go to contact, mm -hmm. I say to 
Jimmy or somebody. Someone's going to find yeah, me some yeah. night vision goggles. I haven't done it yet because <laughs> I so want to be able to see. We know that we're sharing our spaces. As it's been said, uh, the universe and this planet is mm-hmm. teeming with life beyond our own. Yep. Uh, anyway, we could get a picture or two from that multi-spectrum camera. Anyway, sure, can... I'll have you send me something. Not not a problem. I'll contact them and have them send me something. Maybe we yeah. can for the journeyers. Maybe we could get an image or two. I'd love to see that. Yeah. That's sure. amazing. That would again very well explained. Um, well, okay. So now we're kind of coming not full circle, really. I, I'd like to stay on the subject of other energies, intelligent energies that are able to somehow phase themselves into this reality. Perhaps mm-hmm. they're able to change their own structure bring it to this level uh, and come in um, and how we see that here's, there are a couple you've got a bunch of things going on my, my head right now, because you're bringing up so many great ideas. Let's talk about in terms of our ability to see, and you're talking about the third eye as being the first eye, but you know, what's really intrigued me of late Billy is the, Mm -hmm. and you've referred to it as the temple, the temple temples really, Mm Yeah. The peripheral vision. Mm-hmm. And when I just talked about this on the last show, oftentimes I know with me, when I see subtle energy, I see it mm-hmm. peripherally, not unlike many other people. And I've been working on an exercise to strengthen my peripheral, peripheral vision in order to perhaps strengthen my clairvoyance. So let's mm-hmm. talk about that. You know, what, what are your thoughts on that and peripheral vision and how we might utilize that to see more of the spectrum? Yeah. You know, peripheral vision is a very powerful thing that's really taken for granted. Mm. Um, I've tapped into peripheral vision for a very long time, being a basketball player, playing sports my whole life, predominantly basketball and soccer. Uh, And, you know, a lot of peripheral vision, how good your peripheral vision is, can judge how good you can be as a basketball player. Mm. So I would work on my peripheral vision. And a lot of the greatest point guards in the history of the NBA at the highest level you'll find out that they have superb peripheral vision. That's how they make these quote-unquote no-look passes. They can see where they're passing the ball. We just can't tell that they can see, but they have their peripheral vision to see that. And some of the greatest basketball players of all time, like Michael Jordan, have some of the greatest peripheral vision, and that has allowed them to excel and you know get to a higher level in, the, in that particular sport. So peripheral vision is really, really an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. And if you're already open to seeing auras and energy fields and things like that, it may be a very good way to actually tap into analyzing or seeing different fields of energy by using peripheral because sometimes coming directly head on to the retinas, uh, it's uh, more illusory. You really can't detect it. But sometimes from the peripherals, you can pick up the ambiance of those fields, of those energy fields sometimes. And I think that peripheral vision is a very, very strong and powerful tool that a lot of people have just really taken for granted. I Absolutely. use it all the time. And I think it's a really great thing. I do too. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm thinking. Well, I'm thinking. I'm actually in the initial stages of working on a, uh, a either a lecture or an interactive because I've been incorporating some exercises and some experiments that I've come up with in strengthening peripheral vision by incorporating it into my meditation. But that's another story for another time. That's great. That's that's great. I really think we're meant to see more than we do. And maybe we're looking from the wrong instruments. That's not to say don't use your eyes. Our eyes are here for a reason. But yeah, Mm -hmm. peripheral vision. Wow, that's interesting. Okay, conscious light waves. What else can you tell us about? How about our interacting with them more consciously light? Mm -hmm. 
knowing with the understanding that there there's a conscious aspect to the light how can we become more involved in talking to the light if we're light ourselves that makes sense right you know and i wrote in my book compendium of the emerald tablets a thought he's always talking about human beings seeking the light and striving towards the light and using the light, you know, accessing. And he's just, I mean, it's, he probably says the word light 50,000 times in, mm-hmm. in the tablets. And so there's a there's a powerful meaning behind this light word. He's obviously overemphasizing the importance of the light and seeking the light. And I think to incorporate into your meditation, the cosmic meditation that, that I particularly do, allows myself to be filled with cosmic light and energy that comes in from space-time. Mm-hmm. And the energy coming in from space-time is... Our waves of light, electromagnetic waves of energy, cosmic energy that's coming in its light waves. And the reason why I do this is because I think that the universe can fill you with information and get, give you a lot of information. It's almost like getting a download, but being open enough to just wait for the download to occur instead of just randomly getting it on the fly. Both ways work, uh, but the universe, the conscious light that's in the universe, they're all oscillating at different frequencies. So once you get into a cosmic frequency in a meditation, if you match the frequency of information already contained in space-time, you can then download it right into your body. It's all about matching frequencies, quantum entangling with information. A lot of the times people get what they think are their own original ideas or their own mm-hmm. invention ideas or whatever, but a lot of the times it's not. It's that they've literally matched information in space-time and they've downloaded it and their their physiology has been good enough to discern the download and and then, you know, put it into their thoughts and now they're acting on it. Uh, so it's really, really amazing because this happens a lot more than uh, often than people think. Mm-hmm. And the uh, ideas that you think are yours are already existing. Nothing, there's nothing new under the sun. Everything already exists. All yeah. the information ever needed. And Edgar Casey tapped into this very, very well. He was always, um, you know, downloading information in his semi-awake, semi-sleep state getting the cosmic light rays back into his mind and discerning them and telling people what they needed to do for health or predicting things or whatever whatever else he would do with it. Mm-hmm. Tell those landscapers to cool it for a little while, will you? I, know, oh my God, I can't stop them. <laughs> now you know. Now you I'm, I'm being funny. They're, they're going right by my window. Bear, of course they are. Of course they are. Bear with us, yeah. journeyers. They're, you know, Billy's in yeah. Florida. You know, he's got the green grass. We don't have that luxury here yet in Boston. <laughs> So forgive us. It is what it is. Okay. Uh, Now we're talking about the field, which I think is one of the most exciting subjects ever that all exists within that field. I could not concur with you more. And it has been said throughout the ages, in fact, that, or at least the question has been asked, is there such a thing as original thought? And Mm -hmm. I think some people that'll make their uh, hair curl a little bit by saying, you know, if I, this was my idea and I thought of it, well, you know, if all exists within this thing we call the Akashic and other terms that have been used, um, that's Mm -hmm. impossible. But guess what? The fact that you were able to discern it, distill it, bring it down to this level and manifest it in your own unique way is, that's pretty amazing in and of itself. I agree with you. I have a feeling that could be what's happening. And isn't it great that we're connected to everything? Yeah, we're, there's a delay in the in the way that our third dimensional avatar bodies process information that comes in from multiple dimensions before it gets into our consciousness. So scientists were doing this random experiment, uh, trying to figure out how to map human brain emotions to a computer, 
And so they would take people, individuals, and they would put them in a dark room, put on a screen, different images on slides, and they had this electrode uh, cap on their head and they connected to a computer. And this happened totally by accident. So they would put up a picture of a bed of roses and see what the brain thought of that and transmit it to a computer and map that. They'd put up a picture of a woman kissing a child. Then they put up an image of somebody getting murdered, you know, some a car on fire, building burning, all these different images that trigger different emotional responses. And then they were spacing the images out 10 seconds apart. What happened in every case study that the human brain started transmitting to the computer what the next image was going to be mm. before it even showed up on the screen, up to seven seconds in advance, up to seven seconds in advance was the highest recording. So we are p potentially living in a up to seven second delay of information as it's fed down through multiple dimension, gets deciphered by our cognitive functions, discerned and then acted on. So there's up to a seven second delay in space time. It's almost like if you're watching cable TV and on another TV, you have it connected to satellite TV. The satellite TV is going to be delayed and the cable is going to be more real time. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, so it's uh, that's what's happening. So information is coming to us. What we per what we would perceive is from the future. But that's really real time. And what we're getting here is is a delay. We're on a delay, a delayed time. Uh, and then there's even a further delay beyond that, because everything you look at, you don't see it as it is. You see it as it was because it takes time for the photon to bounce off of whatever you're looking at, bounce back to your retina, go to the back of the brain, get deciphered, and convert it into a hologram as to what you believe it's out there. And that takes time, a few milliseconds. So all of a sudden, you're, when you're looking at somebody, you're looking at them as they were, because by the time you actually see them, they've already moved. Isn't that fascinating? I've obviously heard that, that uh, yeah. not philosophy, that's, that's really science, that's fact. So I'm looking at you, but I'm really looking at the past. <laughs> That's right. Well, of course, we've got, you're not right in front of me. Of course, we've got technology as another medium that will distort the time factor or delay it, I should say. That's yeah. interesting. Well, well, there are a whole lot still, of... Still, you know, you got to still watch the laptop. So by the time it gets to you from your laptop screen, I've already moved, you know. Right. Um, it could be only two Planck units of movement, but it's, you know, the movement's real. Hmm. What are the real implications of that? How might we change our thinking when we realize that all information is delayed? Well, the important that's a great question. You see, so how do we how does this how can we make this make our lives better? Well, this is why you have to tap into meditation. You have to tap into um, researching and understanding ancient information because the combination of those two things will allow you to have better discernment. I think that, you know, meditation, operating in empathy and unconditional love, uh, researching ancient mysticism and ancient um, esoteric wisdom will take you to a higher level consciously that will allow you to discern information faster than the average person. So that as it's coming into you, what people seem to be maybe more clairvoyant than others, they're picking up more of the information that's coming from the real time and discerning it faster than the other person who's on a more a, a, a much larger delay. Mm, that's so interesting. It seems like they're always ahead of the game. So, you, so what you're talking about is say precognition as an example. And I, I tend to be. I've always had a proclivity toward precognition as a child. It mm -hmm. could be, if I understand you correctly, Billy. It, really, the precog is maybe real time 
It's it's mm-hmm. not perceiving. I think you may have said this before. You're not really perceiving the future. You're in for for that moment in time. You are in real time, but yeah. once once it manifests in space time, it appears as if it's something that you glimpse from the future. Does that make yes. sense? Yeah. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. And this is something that hardly anybody's ever talked about ever. I haven't heard anybody really talk about it this way. Well, you have, and now everyone's going to know. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> Yeah. That is fantastic. Well, you could, we could take this whole conversation in the direction of precognition. I think this is one of the one of many, of course, fascinating mm-hmm. elements of the human experience that seems so uh, sporadic still, you yeah. know, and yet I think many of us have had uh, just snippets of precognition. Again, some people have more of a proclivity. I was one of them as a child. Yeah. Um, so, and interestingly, a lot of these experiences tend to be more common with children, mm-hmm. less focused, yes. less rooted in the physical dense world because they haven't been here as long. What are your thoughts on That's that? That's right. Yeah, they have less distractions. So they're not worrying about what's on CNN and who to vote for <laughs> next and and uh, coronaviruses and all this kind of, all they, all they, you know, their, their parts still ethereal and still, you know, solid third degree, third dimensional. So they're bouncing back and forth. They're still able to see things that we can't see. You know, they're smiling in the in the space because they see things there, and um, you know, so they're more prone and a lot easier to uh, tap into that realm than than a grown adult. Because when a child is young, or when a person is young, I should say, it's like a tree. It's like a young sapling. You can bend the limbs, but once that tree gets deep rooted and grows older, you try to bend the limbs, you can snap them. Right. You know, so we kind of get set in our ways and we get really stiff. But we're a lot more uh, malleable when we're younger. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the, what's, uh, the good news is that there are a lot more parents these days that are starting to nurture that uh, natural, mm-hmm. um, call it psychic ability, intuitive ability in their children mm-hmm. rather than, you know, poo-pooing when the kid says, my imaginary friend. I think I'm, I'm seeing more of that, more... Um, more uh, listening to the child because a lot of these children are particularly the kids that are coming here now are having these experiences. This is where they came from and they're bringing it to the planet. So that's, that's another story entirely. Let's finish up by talking about the sun. I want to stay on the light. Now we can't Mm -hmm. have a conversation about light without talking about the sun. And because of all of your work with uh, compendium of the Emerald tablets and the, the, the wisdom of Thoth, obviously it's synonymous with the sun. So what did Thoth say about the sun as in terms of uh, being a conscious entity? Well, the way that he references uh, the universe uh, is as, as if everything in the universe is conscious and the sun just happens to be another conscious entity. Not only Thoth talks about that in the Emerald Tablets, but even if you look in the Enuma Elish and the Seven Tablets of Creation uh, or the Atra Asis Epic, you discover that the ancients believed that the planets were also conscious and can communicate with each other as well. So these are conscious planets and suns that actually can talk with each other and have communications and even go to war and battle and things like that, which is really interesting. Uh, So the sun itself, which obviously is the majority of the giver of life on a consistent stream of energy waves to the planet through, through photonic energy um, that we utilize and we uh, convert into different types of energy then uh, most plant life, of course, without the sun and everything else, for photosynthesis allows us to be able to be alive on this planet. Uh, so it's being the sun being the giver of life, it's no wonder why a lot of the ancient religious texts 
took it and deified the sun and turned it into um, a being uh, that, you know, had the, the capability of, of um, dying and then coming back to life and all these other kind of things that you see in a lot of the religious texts. Um, but when you look in the, um, you know, in these ancient texts, you discover that the sun is worshipped because it's it's not because um, uh, they just wanted something to worship. It's because they understood that life came from the sun and that we can consciously mimic the sun in an esoteric way where we literally have the capability of projecting light and being the light and being the beam of light. This is what Bob talks about consistently. No matter where you go, you should be an energetic being. You should be the light. You should be, your light should be as bright as the sun. And he calls himself the son of Atlantis mm. a lot, many, many times uh, in the Animal Tablets. Another thing that's really interesting is, um, uh, you know, kind of parallel to that, Yeshua, also known as Jesus in the modern day Bible, uh, you know, he calls himself the son a lot. Uh, and um, even then, not the son of God, the son of man. <laughs> this is the reference that Thoth makes in the Emerald Tablets, as well as Yeshua in the modern day Bible, the son of man. That's very interesting. Is it the S-U-N of man? I think it is. I agree. I agree. I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. The references and the etymology associated with the words that we use and in the books that we read is stunning when you really dig down. It all makes sense. It's a beautiful mm -hmm. thing. We're winding down. Thank you, as always. We get a crash course from none other than Billy Carson, so I do appreciate you always. Tell us, well, I know when we were texting back and forth a couple weeks ago, I'm like, okay, Billy, what you got going on? Well, why did you, I mean, the text was a mile long because <laughs> you've got so much <laughs> happening. But you mentioned a few things you wanted to highlight and talk about here. So take a couple minutes and yeah. talk about, got some stuff okay, going great. on. Okay, great. Yeah. A lot of exciting things going on. The first thing I did launch ForbiddenKnowledge.tv. That's yeah. with the number four, four B I D D E N, ForbiddenKnowledge.tv. And that's my own streaming platform uh, where I'm just me on the green screen working, <laughs> putting out a lot of content, a lot of videos, a lot of my talks and lectures that I've done for my own workshops and so forth, um, as well as some of my mystery school teachings that I've done. It's probably about 14 terabytes of content right there. So there's literally going to be thousands and thousands of episodes on ForbiddenKnowledge.tv. I'm really excited about that. You can sign up for a three-day trial and log in there and check it out. Um, I'm also doing the Black Knight Satellite documentary. It's called Black Knight Satellite, The Untold Story. And that's about a mysterious object that's orbiting the Earth that has been tracked by all the space agencies since the beginning of the space uh, age. And it's still up there. The official images are on the space agency's websites in HD. Uh, shuttle missions have flown over it. And there's a lot of information that has been talked about over the years, kind of like uh, just reading a script. But I'm giving the real skinny, the deep information, the connecting link between that object and ancient Sumerian cuneiform writing, as well as cylinder scrolls and other ancient texts from around the world that know exactly what this thing is and how long it's been up there. So it's gonna be an amazing uh, documentary. Got myself in there, of course, Jimmy Church, Richard Dolan. Oh, wow, uh, all, my, all our buddies, okay. <laughs> oh, all the buddies, yeah, all it's all buddies. good. You know? yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be amazing, it's gonna be an amazing documentary. I have an astrophysicist, astrophysicist and astronomer, um, uh, reporter uh, from ABC uh, News, mainstream news, um, as well as, um, uh, another reporter, former reporter in, U in the UK. Uh, just, it's going to be an amazing documentary. I'm going to take people into this 
anomaly in a way they would never seen before, as well as an image analysis from professional image analyzers, enhancement uh, image enhancers to, to take a look at it in a more in-depth scale, a much close-up look at it to see what it really looks like. And also, the, Gosford, the mystery of the Gosford glyphs. I just came from Australia, and so I'm doing a documentary on the Gosford glyphs, the mystery of the Gosford glyphs. These are proto-Egyptian hieroglyphs that I discovered, that I discovered, that I went to see that were discovered mm-hmm. out in the uh, Australian outback, way out in the outback. When were you uh, there? Were we there at the same time? Uh, no, I was there, uh, let me see what month is that. I was there in February, the beginning of February. You I went, I week. came back at the end of January, so we literally, oh, were you in news. Northern Territory of Australia? Uh, New South Wales uh, ah. area. So I, was, I flew into Sydney, then I went to New South Wales up to a place called Carryong 9. Uh-huh. Oh my goodness. Okay, yeah. we'll talk about that offline. We'll talk okay. about that yeah. offline. <laughs> we literally, our planes probably passed in the air. Okay. Wow. That's a lot. So yeah. there's a lot for people to keep track of. So would the hub for people finding out the, the launch dates for these things be your website, Forbidden Knowledge? Yeah, the number four, ForbiddenKnowledge.com. Okay. And uh, my schedule is on the link in my bio on all my social okay. media accounts at Forbidden Knowledge. And I will be in Brooklyn, New York, May 23rd, 2020. And that's going to be an amazing six-hour event. Uh, you know, you know, if you can make it to New York, Brooklyn, New York, click the link in my bio. It's going to be a six-hour workshop that I'm going to do on the, the most in-depth stuff you've ever heard of before. It's going to be mind-blowing stuff. Trying to give David Ike a run for his money, huh? Well, <laughs> He's know. for the yeah, marathons, but that's pretty I'm just heavy. doing my part. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm being facetious. I know it's going to be fabulous. We're just going to have <laughs> yeah. a link for number four, biddenknowledge.com. And rather than have a whole bunch of links, you just go there, yeah. check the schedule, keep it bookmarked. So, because there's a lot of stuff that's going to be popping off, it sounds like in the next several months. And uh, yep. go see Billy. Billy Carson. I'm, I'm trying to think, how many times have you been on the show? We're talking number four or five at this point, maybe, because we've done a couple okay. of on location. Yeah. Yeah. Well, each well, and every time. Yeah. yeah. Each and every time it's a treat. It's a treat for me. To have my friend on, you know, you're wonderful, and just I'm in awe of everything you're doing and your energy level to do it. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> it's a fabulous thing. So thank you once again. Hey, by the way, I have a little teaser for y'all. We're about to go off the air, but Billy and I are going to be chatting for about 15 extra minutes on some exclusive stuff. I'm calling it after the show. I am giving you a little bit of a teaser. I'm not, I can't give you all the details yet, but I want you to stay tuned because there will be a hub where you will be able to come and listen to after the show segments. So we're going to go have a private chat. We're going to close the door. You will be invited in soon enough. So just stay tuned. Just a little teaser. So in the meantime, I want to thank you once again, Billy. And as always, I want to thank you for tuning in as always to Higher Journeys. We'll talk to you soon. Take care.